0: If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Matthew today, specifically Matthew chapter 4. We have been walking through, um, watch me be the one that steals coffee on, okay. Okay, um, I sealed it, um, we are walking through Matthew uh, and uh, the story. Um, this guy named Matthew who knew Jesus, knew about Jesus. Um, I believe Matthew the tax collector uh, is who wrote this. And um, he's telling us so far who Jesus is. We're still in his introduction. Uh, the first four chapters of Matthew really are an introduction to who Jesus is. Before and five, we get into the bulk of his teaching and his miracles and all the things that he's going to do and say. And so we're still in Matthew's introduction. He's introducing us to this Jesus that he knew. And he wants us to know, and he wants us to know in, in a specific way, in a certain way. So uh, he's been telling us who Jesus is, that he is this king. Uh, but he's not a king like kings people are used to seeing, right? He's not like Herod, uh, the king at the time. Uh, he's not like him at all. Uh, he is born in Herod's backyard, uh, but instead of all this wealth and pomp and circumstance, he's born in poverty to outsiders. And so um, he's a king, and he has this kingly lineage, but we're trying to still figure out in Matthew's telling how this could be. We know he's the promised one. Matthew's told us that. But, but how is it that he's going to be king when there's powers like Herod in the world? And so he's also told us that he uh, is this amazing God-man, right? He is divine. He is born of a virgin. It is the Holy Spirit's work that that makes God, the, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the eternal Son, uh, into flesh in the womb of Mary. So he's eternal, but he's also flesh. He's born of Mary, right? He's the man named Jesus, but he's also Emmanuel, God with us. He's both of these things. So he's introduced us to that. And then uh, he introduces us to this guy named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist um, it comes along, and he is preaching. And he's preaching people, telling them, hey, listen, God's kingdom is coming, uh, and Not only is God's kingdom coming, it's coming really soon. So what you need to do is you need to repent because you're not, your lives aren't lining up with all of the rules, like all the laws that God has given us. Your lives aren't lining up with that. So you need to repent. You need to change your ways and and turn back to God. So they're coming out to be baptized by him. And some of the people that come out to baptize him are like, they're really like super religious people, right? Like if you looked at them, you'd be like, man, these guys, I'll never live up to like them. And they come out, and he, instead of saying, hey, welcome, you guys are rule followers, be like him, he lays into them and says, it calls them, like, starts calling them names, calls them snakes, says, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? And not only that, you guys just depend on your good works, and it's not gonna be enough. Well, hold on, man, you've been telling us that we've been living wrong, we need to change our ways, and now you're telling them that the rules aren't gonna save them. Is it being Jewish? And he goes, no, don't depend on being, just being born an Israelite just because you're of the people of God. And he says this. He says, God could raise up Israelites, followers of the descendants of Abraham from these stones you know, that are laying around. He doesn't need any of that. And so we're left with this question of, well, then now what? Is it, do I fall? Do I repent because I'm not living right? Or, or do I? But these guys are, what do I do? And he takes us into the next. He says, listen, there's one coming after me that is going to change you at a fundamental level, right? He says, I baptize you with water, and he's going to baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. And so there's this beautiful baptism. Uh, Jesus is baptized, and uh, when he comes up out of the water, a dove descends on him, and uh, the sky rips open, and a voice from heaven says, this is my son. I'm well pleased in him. Uh, and so that's where we ended last week. So uh, this is what happens next, chapter 4. Jesus was led uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry. Yeah. After the tempter uh, and the tempter came to him and said to him, "If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread." But he answered, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very hot mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all of these I'll give you, if... You will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The devil left him. Behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. There are, in the Bible patterns. One of the ways scripture teaches us things is uh, by telling us the same thing and filling it out. Uh, e- either the same event or the same image, trees and water and things like that are used over and over and over, and the image is filled out as we move through scripture, or refers back to remind us of a thing. Uh, sometimes events will be repeated, and you'll go like, oh, I remember when that happened here. And, and so one of the ways the Bible teaches us is by filling out, repeating these patterns, filling them out, and giving them more and more meaning. So in this introduction to Jesus, Matthew is recalling these images, and he's saying, look, he's the king. And then he says, like, if you're reading this, and you were, like, at the time you were Jewish, and you're reading this, Matthew's audience, uh, probably very, Jew, probably primarily Jewish audience, reading this, they're going to go, dude, I, I know what you're talking about, right? You're telling Israel's story. Like you're saying that Jesus did the thing that Israel did. He goes through water, he's baptized, and then he goes out into the desert for 40 days. Well, Israel passes through the Red Sea, goes out into the desert for 40 years where they're tempted and tested. Like we, instead of Israel, you're saying, like, here's this one guy who did the thing that Israel did. What are you saying? And, and Matthew's blatantly and openly saying, yeah, there's this one who stood in the place. Here's the true Israelite, right? The one that Israel was supposed to be. Israel was supposed to be this light to the nations, and, and they didn't. But here's this one who will. Fascinating. Not only that, like, you see this repeated pattern. Man, there's just this idea of temptation, right? This goes all the way back to Genesis, right? Genesis 3, being tempted by the tempter. In Genesis 3, they, the, the, the devil comes to Adam and Eve, and, and the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and tempts them, and says, hey, listen, like, don't trust God, trust yourself and, and, and just kind of tempts them and tricks them. This, this superior spiritual being uh, tricks them into trusting their, themselves instead of trusting in what God has said. And this temptation goes back. And so you, you hear this and you see this and, and, and you would have read this and gone like, this is like what happened in the garden. Except this time, this one doesn't believe the lies. It, there's this idea that this one somehow stands this story that we've heard before, but this one is different somehow. There's this really interesting, this really interesting story. Um, in Genesis. This guy named Abraham, and he's got this nephew named Lot. Abraham was the, the father of the Israelites, the father of the Jews, and, and he, um, he's camped out, and, and they split. And his cousin, his, sorry, his nephew Lot has, has moved to the city, and he's kind of this farmer. God's blessed him, and he's all these promises are coming to him. Uh, but one day, uh, in in a way uh, mysterious way, like God shows up, right? As as people, right? Somehow shows up, and, and Abraham recognizes him, and he freaks out, and he says, "What's going to happen? What's going on?" And God says, "Hey, listen. Here's the deal. I'm I'm going down to." And Gomorrah. It's gotten so bad down there that I'm going to wipe it out. If it's as bad as everybody's, if I've heard, I'm going to wipe it out. And Abraham says, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold a second. And he's like, hey, man, like, yeah, it's a real bad place. But what if there were 50 good people? Like, would you really wipe out a city if if there were 50 good people? And God says to him, all right, deal. If I find 50 good people, I won't wipe it out. And Abraham thinks for a second, he's like, bro, what if you found 40? And God's like, deal, if I find 40, I'll wipe it out. And then he just kind of keeps working his way down, like to like, all of a sudden he's like, hey man, five, (laughs) right? Fine, if I find five righteous people, I won't wipe it out. And then in this weird way, like you expect him to go, what about if there's one? But he doesn't ask that question, right? But the question just hangs there, right? Could the righteousness of one person count for a whole city? There's Bible. It's traditional cultures. It's not just the Bible. In, in, in ancient cultures, it was pretty well accepted that you carried the burden of the people that you were tied to. If one of us, right, if one of my clan, one of my people, went out and started a war and did something evil, we knew that we would have to take the punishment for that. That was pretty well accepted. What was new was, yes, we take the punishment for what this person did because we're so closely tied. What's new is, do we get the benefit of what this one did? So that's the question that's sitting in the Old Testament. And here comes Matthew saying, here is this one who did all the things that Israel was supposed to do but did it right. Here's this one that was like Adam but, but different. And so you're like, how is this going to happen? Okay, what, what's happening it's very, very exciting as he introduces us to the story of this Jesus who is going to stand in the place. And this is of us. And so this is the story. I mean, they're so used to this story, right? They're so used to this idea. We're not used to this idea. They're so used to the idea because of the sacrificial system, right? Like every time they go to worship, uh, they round a corner and right there at the very front of the temple, the very front of the temple is a, is a guy uh, killing a thing. Why? Why? Because of your sin. This is what your sin looks like. This is what your sin costs. God doesn't need it. It's just to remind you that this is the ugliness of sin. We, we live in a culture that we, 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 uh, what we're told to do is that, that we push all of these ideas of not living up to the standard away. Um, we live in an age, uh, I wonder, and I, I don't know this for sure. This is just me speculating here. Let me walk away from here. All right? This is not the Bible. This is me speculating, thinking. I wonder if some of, you know, we live in an age of anxiety, right? There's so much anxiety everywhere. I I wonder if right beneath the surface of the anxiety um, that we don't want to look underneath um, is just inadequacy that we're aware of. Where we've fallen short and where we've not lived up to, right? And so I wonder if I wonder if some of the anxiety is that we just we only make mistakes. We don't, we don't violate a code. We don't violate a rule. We, there's a holy one to whom, a standard that he said that we should live up to, and we just don't really think about that on a daily, on a regular basis like they did because they would raise an animal, and what are you going to do with this firstborn animal? We're going to take it, and we're going to sacrifice it. Why? Because we need something to stand in the place for our sin, and we have to do it over and over. again. You know, we don't do this anymore because we have Christ. So we do this and we reflect in our own hearts, in our own lives. We reflect in our own lives about the need for those things, about the need of it. But I, I wonder if just a, a, a more robust understanding of the need for repentance and confession, that we have fallen short, I wonder if that would help us with some of our anxiety. Just acknowledging, you know what? I'm not in control. I've messed up. And and surrendering that to someone who's better at it than we are. Because we've kind of demonstrated that we're not great at it. So this one's going to stand in our place. An idea they're used to. All right. So that's what's going on in this this kind of picture that he's painting. Um, And uh, this rhythm. And so here's here's what happens. So uh, Jesus is, is... Led out, in, this the first one, uh, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by uh, the devil. So uh, temptation, um, let's talk about that real quick. Uh, there, there is a, there, I think we typically think of temptation as um, inordinate desires, right? Like really strong desires. I've been trying to eat better. It's not going great, but I can some, it's going, it's better. I'm, going, I'm eating a little better. I'm trying to discipline myself. Uh, and the problem is, is like, I do really good for like three days and then there's like one meal that sets me back like six weeks like it's crazy like I'll eat like 900 calories three days in a row and then 7,000 in a sitting like it's crazy but I'm, tr- I'm trying to do better just be disciplined in my eating I'm working on it and I was doing really well this week uh, and then I got an email uh, from Milos uh, they don't email me usually uh, and it was like, hey, you want a free cheeseburger? And I was like, get behind me, Satan. Like, what is this? Uh, and so I, might, like, I think we think of temptation like that, right? Like the, and, and that is a, a kind of a level of temptation, so a type of temptation, right? That this desire that's put in front of us, and we're like, oh, no, are we going to fall into this trap or not? By the way, I did go to Milo's. It was delicious. Because here's, I mean, I'll tell you that I eat all this fancy food, but when I'm dieting, just trash is what I want, Right? Just wake up in the middle of night. And I'm just covered with cheese at dust, and um, so there, there is that kind of temptation, right? But but primarily, the temptation what's talking about here is the, are these trials and these tribulations and these testings, these things that happen in life that are common to man since Adam and Eve uh, that are placed in our life. And it's not so much this inordinate desire to have this thing that we just really really want as much as it is the temptation. Uh, the trick to believe something that's not true. Right? Now, if you started digging in beneath my 830 miles run you might find some lies that I'm believing, right? I don't know if I want to go that we want to go that deep right behind our uh, uh, our feelings and, and what we motivated but but it's more this in the Bible, these trials and these tribulations are when we find ourselves in situations. What are we prone to believe? What can we be, be tricked into believing? Makes sense. That's what's going on here. More than just uh, "I want that." Uh, C.S. Lewis said it uh, one time. Said it this way. He said, uh, "It's not that our passions are too too uh, are too uh, strong. It's they're too weak." Right? Because we think, we're like, oh, the temptation for miles. Oh, it caught me at a weak moment. Oh, if I'd had a better day. And we, like, oh, my pat." he's like, no, it's not that your passions are too strong. It's that they're too weak. You're promised so much more and you settle for less. Yeah? So, we, it's really more in, in this scripture is what we go through and what we believe when we're going through it. So, uh, this is what happens. Uh, He's led up uh, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Um, Okay, so, all right, what was that? So, in the previous verses, uh, Jesus is baptized and the sky splits open and the Spirit comes, the dove, a symbol of the dove, the Spirit coming and resting on Jesus. It's this beautiful, beautiful picture. And then the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. (laughs) where he's tempted, which sounds like a bad thing. Uh, we're going to learn that it's actually good that Jesus was there, but, but the Spirit leads us into places, leads him into places that he could be tempted and grow. Um, I, I, listen, just because we have great privileges, and we have a lot of privileges, God has blessed us in so many ways, does not mean that we were ever going to be secure from temptation. That's one of the weirdest things about getting older is some of the temptations I struggled with for a lot of years they kind of go away and you either get a handle on them or just, you know, life changes and then all of a sudden new ones just crop up and you're like, "Where?" Did, like, I didn't want new issues at 48. Like, I, I, I wanted to be good by now, you know? And as life goes on, there's just new temptations and new ways that we are are tempted. And, 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 and it's just, it's, we're never going to reach a place where temptation is not a thing that we are led into. Um, but it's often that in God's blessing that he's preparing us for these trials and for these temptations. Um... So that we look back and remember right we have these moments that we can look back and remember it's one of the reasons i think church is so important churches and small groups are so important it's because there are times when we forget what he's done and it is coming here together and worshiping and singing these songs and telling these stories about what he's done not just these stories but the stories how this story has played out in our stories we've been taken up into this story and to be reminded hey do you remember when this happened you're right he is good do you remember when that happened you're right he is good and not only, that, not only that, not only do you remind me of the stories that he's done in my life, I get to see the stories that he's done in your lives and be reminded of his goodness. So in the moments of temptation, I am reminded who he is and what he has done. Because we are prone to believing lies. So we rehearse these stories over and over and over again. We hear each other's stories and they help us through times of trials and temptation. So he's led up in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, right? Uh, the devil, you know, there's, there's no picture painted of him, by the way. Isn't that weird, right? Like, is he red and he horns and hooves instead of feet? Carry a pitchfork, right? I don't, like it doesn't say what he's like. matter, It says instead, like, it just. It seems more words than arguments. Um, we don't know. Um, we know. What we do know is that the devil is this supernatural enemy of God that has been around since creation and fall, before creation and fall. And it, it, this... This devil is, this tempter is an anti-God force in the world uh, that exists in a historical way and its aim is to, it's personal and it wants to split people off from God. That's the goal. Split people off from God. And so it is, perhaps it's the force, the the, the personal force behind some of the things that that tempt us and, and, and take us away so anyway so the devil has uh, the tempter has come to him and, and, takes, uh, and meets him in the desert 40 days and 40 nights alright so here's the deal um, I'm going to spend most of the rest of the time in the first, the first temptation there's three temptations right uh, most of the time in the first one because the next two will make sense if we just spend a little bit of time in the first one so the first temptation is this, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights he was hungry makes sense Yeah, and the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God and command these stones to become loaves of bread. So this is the the first temptation. Do you see how it starts? Did Did you catch how the temptation starts? Is it if you are the son of God? That's the start of the temptation. The temptation is right off the bat to doubt what God had said. I mean, in the previous verses, right, just happened, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son. I am well pleased with him. Hey, if you are the son of God, calling it into question right away. Uh, his goal is to break Jesus' trust in a God that provides and a father that provides. Uh, I, I read this, uh, somebody said this way uh, doubt is the lever of temptation. I love that. The lever, it's the thing that wedges in there just enough so you can finally get some force on it to pry it apart. And it starts with doubt. It started with doubt in the Garden of Eden, right? It's always been that way. The the devil shows up to tempt them, and like, did God really say? Just asking us to question what God said. Doubt is the beginning of temptation. So the call into doubt. And these days, I want to say this, that in the last, actually probably in decades, It's been kind of it's been fashionable to doubt. Have you noticed that? Like it's um, it's almost like uh, I'm just going through a season of doubting right now, and um, and it's like it's like kind of some kind of faux intellectualism, right? Like I know I've been there. I've done the things. I just I'm in a season of I'm struggling with doubt right now. if that sounded like a mocking tone, um, it's because I meant it that way. And uh, uh, it's just this season of, uh, it just, it's like, like I'm doing something super righteous by doubting, right? Uh, and really, really, in those moments though, right? Like the, thing, the reason I'm like kind of like, usually what's happening in those moments, that kind of doubt is, um, uh, it's just a good opportunity to do what I wanted to do anyway. You know? That kind of doubt, is just like it's it's doubt, but really I'm like I'm not actually going to go explore the answers. Here's the thing about, here's the thing. I, we all go through seasons of doubt. I'm not I'm not mocking doubt. It's a terrifying thing, scary thing. I, I, I'm not also telling you that you shouldn't ask questions. I, I kind of grew up in a tradition, and I don't know if this is what they taught or not. But what I what I heard, whether whether it's what they said or not, I don't know. But what I heard was stop asking questions. That's how I actually got into C.S. Lewis. I asked so many questions. They're like, Dad, I'm just giving that hard book. And then maybe you we'll shut up for a while. And that just made it worse, you know? Like, I have questions. You, keep, you guys keep talking about the Trinity and I have questions. Like, shh, three in one. Don't ask questions. I'm like, I know, but I feel like it's a thing. of shh, three in one. And uh, like I said, might not have been what they said, what I heard. Hey, here's the deal. The truth isn't afraid of wrestling with you. Uh, 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 we're not afraid of your questions. The Bible's not afraid. God's not afraid of your questions. Bring them. It's just bring them here. Right? Like, have those questions here, and we wrestle with these things. What we find is, is so often when we listen, we we, in good faith, come to wrestle with the truth of Scripture, what we find is so often we are wrestled in this submission and find something more beautiful than we ever dreamed of. The Bible is not afraid of your questions, but this pseudo-intellectual doubt, yeah, you already know what I think about that. Hey, just don't do it. You you have questions, come here. Anyway, so uh, he, this doubt is a real thing and it's a dangerous thing. And so he says, as if this is who you are, he, he asks these questions. Oh, the devil's so good. Oh, it's so upsetting. Uh, like, do you ever, like, it's, it feels like not fair. It feels like not fair. Like, hey, today, Chris, you're gonna have to get up and you're gonna have to prepare to do battle with a supernatural being that is more powerful, who's been around for millions of, years, I don't know how long, right, forever. It Lives outside, outside of time and space. Uh, you're gonna have to do battle today. I don't feel like my odds are great. Right? He gives us these tools, though, right? So, anyway, so he's so good at it. He's so subtle, right? It's like, not like he... The doesn't show up, you know, like, in a leather jacket cussing, offering you weed the first time, right? Like, it's not like, you know... I mean, eventually that's where he comes, but, like, it's not not right away. Like, it's subtle at first, right? It's very much, if, right? Hey, if you're God's son, right, like, If you're God's, I mean, isn't isn't that what he said, right? Like, I said last week so many times, like, what can be said of Jesus can be said of us by faith in him, right? If you're God's son, why is your life hard? Why did your car break down this week? Why are you having trouble parenting? If you're God's son, why are all these, doesn't he care about you? Like, it's all of these subtle questions that call into doubt and question the things that we are struggling with in our heart, if God, has happened, would this, if God was good, would this have really happened? Aren't you his child? And it works because, um, here's why that works so well. It's because we start looking in the wrong places to get rid of our problems. We start struggling with this. And we're like, yeah, if God's really good, I mean, like, why is this happening? And, and you know what? Here's a solution right here that will at, at least help for a minute. You know, hey, you know what? Pick up your phone and look in your phone. There's probably a solution there, Right? Hey, 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 just call it. I know you're lonely. Just, just call this person. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. God, if God loved you, you wouldn't feel like this, right? And this subtle temptation creeps into our thinking and feeling, and we go, it, 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 right temptation. Right? It's, it's right and good that Jesus is hungry. It's not sinful that he's hungry. We find ourselves in these weak moments, and it's just where do we turn to solve the problem? Where do we turn to find a solution? And the devil will always try to turn you towards a solution that will separate you from dependence on God. And so he's, you know, this is what's going on, right? So uh, it works that. Another reason it works um, is because um, he doesn't just come out outright usually be like, hey, there's no God. This is stupid stuff. So the temptation is, it's just, it's usually. Um, he's so close to being right. I mean, the argument, right? Like, it's like, if you just look at the argument, I'm not on the side of the devil, but if you look at the argument that he's making, it, oh, yeah, like, you're God's son, why are you so hungry? And he says, if you're God's son, just turn these stones into bread, right? Like, you're hungry. Like, don't you, like, why not do that? And you're like, yeah, like, I read this, and I'm like, yeah, why not? I mean, bread's not bad, Right, like, and not only that, like John just said that that God could raise up, God could raise up children of is Abraham. He could raise up human beings from rocks. Like God could just do whatever he wants. Why don't you then, if you're God's son, turn these stones into bread? And I'm like, yeah, why not? I mean, Jesus doesn't think bread's bad. As a matter of fact, he goes on like Matthew's going to tell us like he pretty common thing for him to make bread for people. (laughs) As a matter of fact, he teaches us to pray for bread. Give us as they are daily bread. Like it, it, so, I, What's going on? It's so close to being right. And Jesus' response to him is, man shall not live by bread alone. What he's saying is this. Hey, man, you're tempting me to do this thing. He quotes De- Deuteronomy. He says, you're tempting me to do this thing as if that's the most important thing. It's not that bread's unimportant. It's just Jesus doesn't think it's the most important thing. There's something more important than even bread. So um, I think this temptation really is a temptation for him to believe that God's not going to provide. So he should just depend on himself. You know what I mean, right? Like, you have to know what I mean. Like... (laughs) hey, I, I'm in this situation, I don't know where God is, I don't know what's going on, why is this happening? And then an opportunity presents itself that, that, that maybe, you know, if I just did this, then this feeling would go away. If I just did that, then this feeling would go away just for a little while, why wouldn't God want me to have this reprieve? And what what's happened is, slowly, that wedge, that lever, has started to slowly separate us from God. And what he's saying, what the, the temptation is, God's not really good, or you wouldn't be hungry. Why don't you just take matters into your own hands? That's not the plan. The temptation is hey, aren't you the greater Moses? Like, aren't you the greater Israel? Like, God provided bread for them in the desert. Why wouldn't he do that for you? Use who you are and what you can do to get what you need for you. Jesus' whole life is a rejection of doing that, by the way. All the way up to the cross. I will not, he refuses to use what he ca- deserves, what he has, and what he can do to even save himself from the cross. His whole life is I'm going to take what I have, I'm going to take what I can do, I'm going to take what I deserve, and I'm literally going to die so that you can have it. It's love. I will not take, what, what if, what if the kingdom of God looks like this? What if it is he gives us stuff and he blesses us in ways with, I don't know, minds or, or, or resources or whatever it is that God has blessed us with and he gives it to us and yes, it is a blessing and a gift to us, but we're supposed to hold it so loosely that it flows through our fingers and the lives of those around us to bless them. What if some of our anxiety and our struggle and our chaos is because we are holding too tightly to things that were meant to flow through our fingers? His whole life is a life of taking what he has and giving it for you and for me so that we would see him as beautiful and would break our hearts of stone. So no, I'm not gonna take what I can do to feed myself. That's not what I'm here to do. And he says, nope, I'm not doing that. God led me here, the spirit led me here, and he'll provide for me here. I don't need to provide for myself. I don't need a way out that's going to separate me from him. You're going to find yourself in life pretty regularly, I'm afraid, in situations where you're like, I'll just take this into my own hands. I'll do this. It's not a huge deal. There's grace on the other side, right? And it slowly moves. I'm not going to forgive. I can't forgive. God will forgive me anyway. And it slowly levers us apart from him. Mm. If he led you there, he'll provide for you there. And God's strength can be found in the middle of the temptation. Look what Jesus uses. What does Jesus use? He doesn't say, you know what, I don't know, let me pray to God and have this, I have this religious experience and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to consult the 900 people and I'm gonna, I, I got to get a new devotional and then we'll figure out what to do. No, he doesn't do that. He just quotes scripture and says, that's not true. What you're saying is not true. Here's what's true. He fights the lie with truth. Here's the the great thing. The same power available to him in this moment is available to you and me. he's given us that these resources to say I don't have to depend on myself I don't have to control everything myself God has brought me here he'll provide for me here and so in these moments of temptation in these moments of trials in these moments of struggles we can have this confidence he provided for Jesus what can be said of him can be said of me he'll provide for me in this moment as well here's how that plays out a lot of times we struggle with like these things right these big things you know so often in our life you know like, it's embarrassing how long I will research my next coffee maker. It's already started. Uh, it's going to take months. We, we That's just, we just, we just so much of ourselves in these huge, huge decisions. Should I do this or should I do that? Uh, And we just don't know when we struggle. When a lot of times God is not going to split the sky and provide an answer for us. But you know what? That job, do I stay, do I go? There's probably a good way to stay and a bad way to stay and a good way to go and a bad way to go. You know what I mean? (laughs) I can stay here and be bitter and be angry and war, or I can stay here and know that God's placed me here and this is where he has me to minister, or I can leave if he doesn't, and I'm, sometimes God, this guy, by the way, I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for that, you should pray that God reveals it to you and ask friends, but I'm saying, when we don't know, in the moment of temptation, in the moment of trial, in the moment of struggle with decision, to just say, you know what? No matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I will be Faithful. Leaning on God's word, this is the beauty that we have available to us at all times in all struggles. Available to us in the middle of temptation. Temptation two, it's going to go faster. Temptation two is this. So, they're in the wilderness, right? Desert stones. And he takes him up, right? The uh, devil takes him to a holy city, sets him on the pinnacle of the temple, the holy place, and says to him from Holy Scripture, if you were the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written, quotes, Holy Scripture, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Those are from Psalms. He quotes Psalms at him and says, hey, listen, those Psalms are about you. I know it. You know it. You throw yourself down here. God's going to make angels catch you. He's going to do it. Bible says so. Just believe it. Ugh. The first temptation, he kind of hits him in a weak spot, right? He's hungry, hadn't eaten in 40 days, kind of a weak spot. I mean, there's some strength, right? He's been fasting for 40 days, so there's spiritual strength, but he's hungry, you know? It's a real spot, a weak place, right? Uh, Have you ever had the devil trip you up in a strong place in what you thought was a a strength? He goes, hey, man, hey, you want to play scripture games? Let's play scripture games, you know? And he's just like, hey, throw yourself off here. If he can't tempt you to be worldly, he'll tempt you to trust in your fanaticism. Just take this place where you're like, hey, just trust in yourself. If this is true, if God really, if you really are who you say you are, if you really are, just jump off here. Show everybody what you got. Like, make a big spectacle of it, of of yourself. Everybody will love you. Do this. And he quotes Bibles. He He mishandles the scripture, right? You know how Jesus comes back at him, other scripture, he doesn't go, I don't know, let me check my commentaries, Yeah, which is good, I'm a big fan of commentaries, I'm not saying commentaries are bad, but he's like, but he's like no, he just knows scripture. E-e-e- even in an argument with someone, look, here's the deal, here's what I want to say. Just because somebody puts a Bible verse on it doesn't mean it's true. Right? Like, so many things in your life, that would be like, well, they slapped a the Bible verse on it, you know, so I guess I gotta believe it. No. You can mishandle scripture. You know, you know. only God can judge me. I'm doing it right now. I'm judging you right now. You can't stop me. You to, you've misunderstood that scripture. Uh, I can do all things who God who me. No, but that, that is, that's about suffering. That verse is about suffering. Everybody who has that tattoo, that's about suffering. Not dunking in the NBA if you're four foot two. It's about Suffering. We can misuse scripture. And so the devil shows up and hits, he's like, fine, let's play these spiritual games, right? I know the Bible too. And he says, listen, if this is, in Jesus is like, it has no part. You know why? Because he knows the Bible. He knows scripture. What you're saying is not true. You're mishandling it. The scripture doesn't call me into a place that is supposed to test God. Scripture will move you to honor God, be more loving, be more humble, and be more like Jesus. If scripture does not move you there, it is being mishandled and is to be, you should be afraid of it. Jesus, when they ask, like, tell me about the Bible, he sums it up this way. He's like, everything, all of the rules, all of the rules summed up this way. Uh, Love God with everything that you are and love people like yourself. If it doesn't move you to honor God more and it doesn't move you to love your neighbor as yourself, then scripture is being mishandled. That's kind of the test, right? It's we use scripture to interpret scripture. Does it teach me to honor God and love my neighbor? It also encourages us to do this. We need to know our Bibles. There are people who will use our Bibles to mislead us. We it's one of the reasons we come here and we go through the stories and we pour through the scripture and the text to understand it as it was written, how it was understood, when it was written, so that we can know how to apply it. And then this happens. Oh, uh, Jesus says, again, it is written, you shall not uh, put the Lord your God to your test. Hey, man, those verses weren't written about testing God just to see if he'd come through. Nah. And then he says this. So he takes him, he starts in the desert, he's taking him higher and higher and higher. <laughs> the devil takes him to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says to him, all of these I will give you. Jesus, interestingly, doesn't say, "Uh, those aren't yours. They are his for a time, yeah? So he says, listen, all of this I'll give you. I'll give you, I promise you, the whole world. All you have to do, fall down and worship me. I mean, doesn't God love the world so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross so that we could have life? Yeah, he hey, if you love the world, bow down, worship me. I give the whole thing to you. You can go make bread for everybody if you want. Jesus says, no, no, no. I'll not take shortcuts. I think Jesus at this point knows what's ahead of him. I think he knows the cross is ahead of him, right? He knows what's coming. He knows the devil keeps taking him higher and higher and higher, and he knows that God is leading him to the depths. And he says, because I love them. Because I love people, I will never, ever, ever bow down and worship anything but this God, even if he leads me in the, very shallow, in the very valley of the shadow of death, or even the death itself, because of his great love for us. So, he says to the devil, you worship the Lord, again, Deuteronomy, you shall worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only. The devil left, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Angels came and took care of him, provided for him, cared for him. Every time Jesus answers, he answers with scripture. Uh, This isn't me lecturing you to memorize more Bible verses. Yeah. Uh, Although, yeah, memorize more Bible verses. Um, But uh, it's me telling you that that, uh, three times Jesus obeys the spirit. And he overcomes the devil's attacks by recalling scripture and remembering what is true. The temptation will be to believe lies. How would he ever do that for you? Why do you matter? This is, and Jesus is like, I'm not, we should as well. I'm not taking shortcuts. I will trust Jesus no matter where it leads. I, 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 these, this pattern that is set for us to follow is to lean into knowing scripture because it's in scripture that God teaches us what he is like, what the world is like and what is true. And when we know it well, it's not, it's, we know it well. It helps us navigate reality. It helps us know what's true. It helps us navigate and change the direction You need food to be alive, but, more than bi- uh, but more, uh, uh, you're more than a body. Uh, your body dies and your soul, the true part of you will always live on. Um, and this Bible teaches us how to be in the world, how to, ne- how to n- care not only for the body, but for the soul as well. Um, we live in a time when there is, this is a beautiful, beautiful time, when there is more great biblical teaching than there available to, the, any, to everybody, than there ever has been before in the history of time so much great teaching available. Like I get overwhelmed sometimes and like, oh my goodness, there's so much great. I have to focus. Like how am I going to pick and choose like what I want to read next and listen to next? Just constant. So much great Bible content and biblical literacy is at an all time high. There are people that need to know how to navigate life and it is at their fingertips. And we're just tempted to believe that our time is better spent doing other things. We're too busy with this. We're too busy with that. And what's being taken from us is not God going like, "Mm." what's being taken from us is actually joy, peace, and happiness. That's where this leads us is to understanding the truth. That no matter what happens, we have this confident assurance that God is good, that he loves us, and that he will bring us through and bring us to himself. This is good. When our friends are mean to us, when our job fails us, when we fail our friends and when we fail our job, scripture teaches us how to navigate that temptation and that trial in a way that honors God and relies on him. And to let the blessings that he's given us flow through our fingers into the lives of those around us. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this goodness. Thank you for the goodness of your word that teaches us how to be in this world, that teaches us what Jesus is like and who he is. He is on a trajectory for the cross from the very beginning. And he knows this. And he goes there willingly, lovingly. May we be overwhelmed by the beauty of what has been accomplished on our behalf. That on our behalf you came and you died that we could have life. That you stood in our place because we couldn't stand there on our own. That you lived the life that Israel should have lived. That you were faithful like Abraham should have been. That you were obedient like I should be. May this break my heart of stone how deeply loved you are. How deeply I loved I am by you. Change us and make us more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.